Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. We're going to talk about structures. We're going to talk about what works. We're going to talk about what doesn't work, what the kingdom is and what the kingdom is not. Because modern Christians mostly don't have a clue. They got little forms of godliness, but they deny the very gospel of the kingdom. That's what it was called, the gospel of the kingdom. They twist and turn the epistles of Paul even the Gospels themselves, they deny the Gospel of Christ. Uh, someone sent me something this morning about um, Paul, uh, that the, it actually said that the apostles were halted in their ministry because the Jews didn't accept Christ. Uh, for one thing, thousands of Jews, thousands in one day, accepted Christ as their king and knew that when they got the baptism of Jesus Christ, they would be cast out of the welfare system of the Pharisees. That's what it says in John. The parents of the blind men were afraid to even mention uh, that they thought that maybe Christ does have a point. Because they knew that if they mentioned Christ or claimed him as Christ, Jesus as Christ, as the anointed, as the Messiah, as the king. As this blind man was saying, he believed in Jesus being the king because he had healed him. And they said that they knew that the Pharisees had already said that anybody who got the baptism of Jesus Christ instead of the baptism of Herod would be cast out. This was the distinction between a Christian, a believer, a follower of Christ, of Jesus, and those that didn't. And the parents of the blind man were afraid to speak up and said that he can speak for himself. He's been blind since birth, but he doesn't have any skills or jobs. But we don't care. We don't want to get kicked out of the system. On Pentecost, thousands were willing to get kicked out of that system of social welfare, that Corbin of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect. You show me Christians that are willing to get kicked out of that. And I'll show you real Christians. You show me Christians who are not willing, I'll show you Christians who don't believe. Who don't believe in what Christ was saying. Paul, when he wrote his book to the Romans, he was writing to men who believed and did not go to the free bread handouts of the Caesars of the world because their kingdom was no longer of the world. Their kingdom was of Christ. Their social welfare, their religion was of Christ. We talked before about the fact that in North Africa, later on, 
the emperor made it illegal to be a part of any non-public religion, a foreign religion. And they would be persecuted and they were burned because they would not apply for the benefits of Caesar and his public religions. The Christians today, they eat heartily at those troughs of public religions of Corbin, of the Pharisees that made the word of God to none effect. But they got nice music in their churches. They got, they believe, they just don't believe in Jesus. They believe in their Berean call false ministries. They believe in their music. They believe in their twisted interpretation of Paul that takes Paul out of the context of Paul. We've started, we've already done Colossians and Ephesians. We have recordings. If you get on the network, people will show you where they are. But we're going through Romans now. Verse by verse. And we're putting Paul back into the context of Christ. Back in the context of the gospel of Christ. He says he's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. That he is a believer in the gospel of Christ. The gospel of God. The gospel of the Son of God. But people tell me, oh, well, Paul says that we're just this way. And, and I said, but Jesus said it was this way. And he says, yeah, but that was before he was crucified. He didn't know he was wrong before that. Jesus knew from the beginning, I'm going to take the kingdom away from the Pharisees who aren't bearing fruit with their mumbo-jumbo. And I'm going to give it to those who do bear fruit. Well, today, the modern Christian... It's full of mumbo-jumbo again. They don't really believe in Jesus. They believe in part of Paul instead of all of Paul, which is the whole truth. So anyway, I didn't know I was going to be so hard on you right off to start with. But anyway, we're actually going to be talking about one of these structures, this this system that you would have been kicked out of if you actually believed in Jesus Christ at the time of Christ. It was the system of Corbin. But it's, it's the, we're going to focus on one particular article, which is not so secure socialism. If you go to the website at hisholychurch.org, you'll find that article in the outline section, which you can go to at hisholychurch.org slash outline. And... Uh, you can read along with me when we go over that. And before we started, I'm going to give you a definition of socialism. So, socialism is a theory or system of social organization that advocates the vesting of the ownership and control of the means of production and distribution of capital, land, etc. in the community as a whole. It's a common purse. And the Bible tells us that the common purse runs towards death, towards evil, towards wickedness. Runs towards it. Says, consent not with them when they want to have all the property and means of distribution and capital in one purse. Don't go that way. God didn't change his mind about that. That's still 
a precept. Paul would agree with me. Jesus agrees with Moses. Moses agrees with this. That you shouldn't have this one purse. It is the gospel of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Because it's based on coveting your neighbor's goods. You are not restored to the milk and honey if if, if it's owned communally and communistically. It said that the early church owned all things in common. You misinterpret that by taking it out of the context of who the church was. The ministers owned things in common because the ministers owned nothing but what was owned by Christ, but they were there to return every man to his family and every man to his possessions. What was given to the church in order to take care of the needy of their society, was not in a common treasury, but a common fund held individually by every minister. They didn't create a central bank. And so what went in, if there was a greater need over in this congregation than there was in the congregation that gave the contributions... That money could be moved over by the will of that minister to that other congregation. There wasn't anybody coming down. Paul, Peter wasn't coming down and saying, okay, you guys have to give your money over here. The people chose to give money to a minister. That minister held that money that they chose to give to him, and they chose to give to him because they trusted him. And they only gave him what he was going to need right now. And if there was a greater need somewhere else, he would tell them, connected through this network of congregations, because they were preaching kingdom, not just congregations. Yes, everybody was a member of a congregation in the sense that they freely assembled under the perfect law of liberty. But if there was a greater need in Assyria or a greater need in Jerusalem or a greater need in Rome the news would travel through this network and they would say, there's a greater need. And people would give free will offerings. They ran their whole government of God through the church that way. Not to a central treasury and then somebody trickled it down from some big bank somewhere in Europe. But that you were the bank. Every elder of every congregation was the treasure of the kingdom. And they kept their money in their pocket till it was needed and had an efficient. The union and discipline of the early Christians was praised by men like Edward Gibbons who wrote The Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. Because they were well organized and they were a well social organization, a system. But not with everybody owning each other's stuff, but everybody willing to share through charity. If you were doing that, you would not be having the trouble that you're having today in whatever country you're in. And I say that across the board. Even if you were on skid row, your life would be better if you were following these kingdom principles. And the more virtuous you became, the better it would be. But you haven't been virtuous for a long time. You've been coveting your neighbor's goods through socialism. And you need to repent. You are in need of repentance. So we begin this article, Not So Secure Socialism. 
the United States Supreme Court in 1937 validated Social Security as an exercise of constitutional taxing powers of Congress for the benefit of the General Fund of the United States Treasury. The Supreme Court also said that, quote, Congress could, in its future discretion, spend that money for whatever Congress then judged to be the general welfare of the country. Unquote. Got that? They don't have to spend it on you. They can spend it on anything they want. Been that way since 1937. Didn't read the fine print of the contract? Too bad for you. Goes on, having no constitutional power to earmark or segregate certain kinds of tax proceeds for certain purposes, whether the purpose be farm price supports, foreign aid, or Social Security payments. No earmarking. It ain't your money. You gave it up. It was your contribution to the priests of your religion because it's how you were going to take care of the needy of your society. When you signed up, you became a member. You were baptized into their religion. And now you must contribute according to the rules of their religion. If you were baptized by the apostles and by the church established by Jesus Christ, you must pay in what your conscience tells you to pay in. Because when you gather in your congregations, that is your Congress. And it's not democratic either. So that if you decide not to give, you don't have to give. It's between you and God. You're a free soul under God. Now, if you've gone and done something else, you may not be a free soul under God anymore. You've got to realize protection draws to it subjection and subjection protection. You are back in the bondage of Egypt. Too bad. Get used to it. Boy, I'm a meanie today. But anyway, you've got to hear this. I'm John the Baptist today, evidently. And I'm going to be telling you what you didn't want to hear so that you will learn to hear the truth. At the time of the introduction of Social Security Act to Congress and the American people, quote, the president wanted everybody covered for every contingency of life, cradle to grave. He called it the social insurance system. But the government of the United States is not an insurance company. And so it could be done. Not an insurance company. Who said all that? Who was that a quote of? That's the Ford by Frances Perkins. It's actually a woman. Frances Perkins, Secretary of Labor, 1933 to 1945. Uh, the Development of Social Security Act by Edwin E. Witt. Page 7. So you can look that up. Edwin Witt was the guy who devised the system. This is out of his book. Okay? He's telling you it was sold as if it was insurance, but it was not. 
The United States government is not an insurance company. People talk about privatizing Social Security insurance. It isn't insurance. It is public religion. It is the, it is not joining it was why Christians were burned in North Africa. And we'll get into that eventually. We'll show you. This is why Christians were persecuted. They had their own system that operated through faith, open charity. If you don't, you ain't a Christian. Now, I know that you can't just get out of the system in most cases. But you need to repent and realize that what you've done is making the word of God to none effect because you're taking care of one another by praying to the benefactors, the men who call themselves benefactors and not really benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other. Yeah, I harp on this all the time, but I'm going to give you some more information. I'm going to give you some more evidence of your sin so that you get the chance to repent so that you might be saved. Because the fact that you think you're saved ain't enough. Got it? You can't save yourself by thinking. you got to believe in your heart and in your mind. But you've been given over to a reprobate mind because you've been coveting your neighbor's goods, because you've been slothful. And a strong delusion has come in, and a lot of lying preachers have deceived you. Now, those preachers could be saved, too, if they would repent. I'm waiting for that day, too. While the system of federal Social Security was sold as if it were insurance, again, I'm quoting with, it was not. There is a great deception, a strong delusion that Social Security taxes are payment of insurance premiums to obtain specified benefits at a specified time. There is no such right. No such right. It's been ruled by the Supreme Court not only in 1937, but in 1960. According to Social Security Act, the government has been under no contractual obligation to make any return payments from the very beginning and has carried the provision that the right to alter, amend, and repeal any provision of this act is hereby reserved to the Congress. Those are the high priests of your religion. It's not pure religion, but it's your religion. Okay? You know, you can read this in the Social Security Act 1935, Title 11, General Provisions, Section 1104. Go read it. You didn't read the contract? Oh my gosh, you're signing contracts and you're not reading them. If that isn't bad business. But it's your business and now I'm giving you the business. So anyway, yeah, I'm being strong about this. Because you need to hear this. You have screwed up royal. You are earning the wages of sin. Now I know deep down in some of your hearts you want to repent. And I know you think this is a little overwhelming. Well, you don't just do this overnight. It's a process. It's a, first you gotta admit you made a mistake. You went down the wrong way. You forgot to ask directions. You men. <laughs> and your wives should have been reminding them, you need to ask directions, honey. Cause you, you got the wrong 
information from your church you've been tithing to. They've been lying to you and delivered you into bondage. And Egypt is about to fall. You're in a lot of trouble. You're going over the fiscal cliff. And you've got nobody but false, apostate, pharisaical preachers to back you up. And they don't really love you. But Christ loves you. And so he sent me to tell you, repent, turn around, go the other way. And that's what I hope you will begin to do. So, anyway, we're talking about this. According to the Social Security Act, the government has been under no contractual obligation to make any return payment from the very beginning and has carried the provision that the right to alter and amend and appeal any provision of this act is hereby reserved to Congress, period. Therefore, quote, Congress could continue to collect the so-called Social Security payroll taxes even though Congress discontinued all Social Security benefit payments. Why do you think they're building FEMA camps? And somebody just sent me an email that there actually was a program on TV where they gave a tour of one of the FEMA camps. I've got somebody out here that I know where there's a place not very far away that was a government installation and they shut it all down. But then I saw it was on auction. It was up for sale. It wasn't very far away from here. And it was up for sale. And uh, I don't know, it was millions of dollars or whatever. And, uh, you know, it had all these facilities, but they just, the government wasn't using it anymore as part of the backscatter deal. And he said that somebody got a contract to go in there. I used to know the security people. Uh, got a contract to go in there and take all the razor wire that was on the top to keep people from crawling into this backscatter. And they've turned it all around so it now faces inside. <laughs> That's for your protection. <laughs> so anyway, now, you know, the, you can go on to the Halliburton website. And I don't want to start all this. I don't want you talking about conspiracy theories when you gather together in church, in, in homes, and to do the work of Christ. I wanted you to start talking about what you're supposed to be doing. But it's interesting to know that Halliburton, on their own website, they got, I think it was $360 million at one time, and they probably got more since, to build uh, internment camps, you know, uh, refugee camps, whatever you call them. But it's for refugees, also for illegal aliens and dissidents. And when I read that, it actually said the word dissidents. I thought... What's a dissident? Is that somebody who doesn't believe in the religion of Social Security? Oh, my gosh. You're a dissident. You know, they actually, what was Harry Belafonte the other day called the president that needed to start arresting Republicans and putting <laughs> in prison for being Republicans, <laughs> which is, um, personally, I think a lot of Republicans are criminal, uh, but I think a lot of Democrats are criminal, too. I think anyone who doesn't obey the Ten Commandments and stop coveting your neighbor's goods, I think you're all criminals. But I'm not here to send you to jail. I don't want to send you to jail. I want to keep you out of jail. I want to make you free. But you got to repent. I'm sorry. You, If you don't forgive, and you you will not be forgiven. If you don't repent, you might not be saved. So anyway, 
So they can cut all payments off. They don't have to pay you any more at all. This is from a book, The Social Security Tax by Clarence E. Mannion. They don't have to give you anything. And you need to know that. This may seem a little scary for some uh, of you who are or maybe dependent upon such payments. But that is exactly what you should expect as the nations and the world economic systems continue to decline. That's where you're going. And we'll talk more about this and the solution to the problem when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're talking about the not-so-secure Social Security. And we're showing you that they don't have to pay you anything, but you may have to keep paying them. And the fact is, the reason why is because you signed up. You agreed. And the fact, people say, it wasn't full disclosure. They wrote this down way back in 1930s. You could have read it. But you didn't read it. You didn't go to your ministers and say, did you read it? And if you did, I'll bet you he didn't. Actually, I know of a minister that lived back then that said that getting the Social Security number was the mark of the beast. It was a mark of lack of faith. You remember the mark of the beast? There was a mark of God they talked about in the Old Testament. And it was the Tav. And the Tav is the symbol of faith in the Hebrew language. And so the mark of God was faith. And so therefore the mark of the Antichrist, anti-God, the beast, is what? Lack of faith. It's your lack of faith. And it may come in several forms, but at least one of them is your lack of faith that you need to pray to men who call themselves benefactors, but simply give you what they take away from their neighbors, so that through covetousness you will be made merchandise or human resources. I mean, it's just on and on, everywhere in the Bible. What agreement do you have with unbelievers who don't believe in God? I mean, you send your kids to schools that say you can't talk about God. You send your kids to schools that are only in existence because they force your neighbor to pay for your child's education. You don't pay enough taxes, property taxes, to pay for that child's education. It's at least $6,000 per child. In some places, it's over $20,000 per child. So who's making up the difference? Your neighbor, why is he doing that? Because the men who call themselves benefactors will come and take his house away if he doesn't. That's called coveting your neighbor's goods through the men who call themselves benefactors, but exercise authority one over the other, which Christ said it was not to be that way with you. So, don't give me this, you don't want socialism. You wanted socialism for a hundred years in this country. You just didn't want so much, maybe. And those of you who want a lot, well, you're just progressives. Well, I'm a progressive. 
I'm just progressing the other way. I'm progressing towards Christ. You're progressing towards Satan and the beast. What's the beast? It's what goes around and eats the flesh of your neighbor and your neighbor's children and your neighbor's children's children. Because people say, well, Social Security is solvent. It's not in debt. It's There is no division of the funds. There is no earmarking from the beginning. There was no earmarking. It is not a sacred trust that is separate from the rest of the general fund. They pretended it is, but the rule says it is not. So if there's a $100 extra in there and you're $10,000 in debt over on the other side of the same books, guess what? There isn't any funds there. The only reason there's funds there is because they're borrowing funds over here. They're taking blood out of your left arm and they're putting it in your right arm. But they're using some, drinking some of it on its way over. Because they're a bunch of vampires. They're a blood-sucking beast. They're werewolves and they're vampires and you're all a bunch of zombies. Wake up. You have gone the wrong way. You are progressing towards hell. You are progressing towards the fiscal cliff. Repent. Turn around. Go the other way. I know, like I said, this is scary. But there's an answer. And we're going to get to that. If I keep going here. (laughs) According to Dr. Clarence E. Mannion, the Supreme Court held that Congress can tax payments and earnings of employees and employees in the same way that it can tax a bottle of whiskey or a ticket to a ball game. Why? Because you're human resources, your merchandise, your collateral for the debt on the other side of the books. You are the resources they're depending on to pay that debt, except they don't want you to pay that debt because they want you to be enslaved. They want to own you so that when you step out of line, they can smack you. You know, I always remember when Nam Penh was invaded by the socialist communists and they marched them all out of the city across there to their FEMA camps that, you know, where people marched, three million people marching down the road. Kids with machine guns keeping them in line. You step out of line, you get machine gunned down. You stay in line, you fall down, people walk over you. And they said there were people in the road as flat as a pancake because another million people stepped on them walking over. And they didn't dare step out because kids with machine guns would shoot them. And you want to give up your guns? You think that can't happen here? I mean, they're building the camps. <laughs> they got, you could go online at Halliburton's website and they tell you how much money they got for building them. And the fact is, they already got the biggest prison system in the world. And they got enough resources to build more. They got you. You could build more. Yeah, another wing on while you're there. Now, how are they going to get you there? They're just going to go round up house to house? No, they're going to create some sort of, you know, terrible event. And, you know, and people will turn in each other because they don't love each other. You need to find people with character. You need to find people with virtue. You don't, don't look for people who want to be free. 
don't look for people who don't want to pay their taxes. They don't want to pay. They don't want to help anybody out. They don't want to pay in. And they're always screaming about their benefits. Get away from those people. They're backbiters. They'll betray you anyway. Find people who actually care. I'm only being hard on you because I actually care. You know, I, I can stand here and talk to you and I can see your children starving. I can see your grandchildren never being born, withered, and dead. Because this is where they want to take you. They, they these, these useful idiots, they don't even know where they're going. There's a cognitive dissonance. We talk about that. Cognitive dissonance. That t- able to hold two ideas in your mind at the same time that are conflicting. And the dissonance is the discomfort that they cause. Because they actually conflict. That's bad. But I'll tell you what's worse. Cognitive disconnect. Cognitive disconnect is when you can hold two ideas in your mind at the same time that are contrary to each other and you don't feel uncomfortable. That you feel comfortable with it. How can you do that? It's because the place where you feel that discomfort is a dark room in your heart you never go in. You've been given over to a reprobate mind. Paul talks about it in Romans, first chapter of Romans, being given over to a reprobate mind. And the cause is that you are unforgiving. You are selfish. Because you were traumatized by selfish people when you were a child. And you didn't forgive them. And so it's making you selfish today. You need to repent of that. Are you nothing but a bottle of whiskey? Is your family nothing but a bottle of whiskey? A human? Is your wife nothing but a bottle of whiskey? That you can tax her presence there? Put her in such jeopardy? By not making provisions? For what you know is coming. A man and his naturally endowed rights to his labor was not originally the same as a bottle of whiskey nor a ball of twine, the idea of a people laboring for a portion of each day without pay and laboring for the government is as old as the pyramids themselves. It is known by many names, such as statutory labor or corvy or tribute, but it is still bondage. No matter what you call it. The word corvi is a French word which can mean gratuitous labor exacted from villages or communities, especially for repairing roads, constructing bridges, etc. Public works. In the Latin, the word uh, be covata or corgare, meaning to gather by request. Webster says... It is the obligation on the inhabitants of a district to perform services or forced labor exacted by government. Do they have the right to exact that labor? 
If you have been coveting your neighbor's goods, and you go back to Proverbs where they talk about that one purse, it says you will be snared in the very net of your own making. And it will be your blood that will be exacted. They tell you that. My gosh, Paul tells you what should have been for your welfare will become a snare. Because you eat at the table of kings and you don't put your knife to your throat, as Proverbs says, as as King David said, they tell you this over and over again. It's only your modern ministers that got you singing in your churches so you don't really hear. You need to turn around and go the other way. Start coming together and loving one another for a change instead of coveting one another's goods. That's all the entertainment I'm doing for you. <laughs> Wake up, folks. When I clap my hands, wake up. You know, when I bang my gavel, wake up. You're in a lot of trouble. You're headed over the fiscal cliff. And they got, and they are planning, <laughs> they are planning to catch you completely off guard. And if you were listening to Christ instead of this cognitive disconnect, you would know this. Now, I don't want all you survivalists to be running to us. You better be coming to serve one another. Somebody asked me the other day, what do, what do we use as a filter to know who we will help? Christ is our filter. Not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who doeth the will of the Father. Christ told you, are you actually looking for the lost sheep? Are you coming together with others? We had a small little band of sheep when we were teaching. We are showing Justin, who's here learning the ministry. And I was showing them the sheep that went up on the hill. They had formed their own little congregation. The same thing's going on in the network at the same time. But they had formed their own little congregation. They came together, but only with their little congregation that went up on the hill. There's actually a wolf that's been traveling underneath that rim up on the hill. <laughs> I've seen the tracks. Huge. Somebody else actually seen them. Huge wolf. We put a dead sheep up there. It was gone the next day. There wasn't even hardly a tuft of wool left on the branches. Just devoured it. Just gone. And these sheep, they're going to form their own little congregation. They're going to go up on the hill. They come together in a little group. It's like four black-faced sheep. <laughs> Their black-faced sheep are farm flocks. They've been farm flocks for centuries. They don't know the range. They were lambs, but they were grown up, and they thought they knew what they were doing. We'd go up there and bring them back. Well, we sold all them. We didn't keep any of those. <laughs> They've gone to that great butcher shop in the sky. And that's where you're headed if you don't repent and turn around. Come down off that hill, that high and mighty hill of false religion. And turn around and repent. To take man's labor without consent falls within the broad definition of slavery. Neither the president nor the Congress had the power to compel a free people to begin to labor without pay. They could not force the entire population into becoming tax collectors and serfs or taskmasters and statute laborers without some form of consent. And, of course, you guys gave it to them. Like all these systems that begin 
as a request, they end a forced obligation. And that's the way you're going. That's the way it is. And that's the way you've gone. I'm sorry to tell you, but they said a strong delusion would come. Don't wait for it. It's here. Begin as a request, but end as a forced obligation. That's the nature of the beast. The Romans had a corvée system in their uh, protected provinces and eventually throughout the whole of the empire. They maintained public works by this. The people talk about slavery. Well, you know, if you look up the laws in Clark Summer U.S. American Law, you look up uh, employee, it, it, you, it will say in the index, it will tell you, go see master servant. Because that's what an employee is. You sell your labor, you know. I mean, among the ball players, you see that they get sold to this group or that group, you know, this team or that team. They sell you and you're sold. Now, you can quit that job and go get another job, but you're already, you're, no matter what job you get, you're a federal employee and you have to show them your federal employee identification number. I was always amazed at Russo and, and some of these guys, the 860, was 868, 861 law, they're saying, well, look, the income tax is only for federal employees. Well, you got a federal employee identification number. Look, you owe the tax. I don't want to argue with you about that. You go read employee versus enslaved and see how the whole system works. But the point is, is when you got that Social Security number, you, that is also called a federal employee identification number, and you're in the system. You can say, oh, I didn't know, and full disclosure, and fraud, and all this stuff. But they wrote it all out. You're just too lazy to look it up. And But you're in. You You got your free education. You've been promised your benefits by liars, and you're not going to get them, and you're going to get something else, and that's all there is to it. I'm talking about the solution. How do you turn around and go the other way? Christ said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be provided for you. He didn't say, Run for it. And Moses didn't take you out of the edge of the desert and say, Run for it. So now let's get into understanding the problem enough that we can actually fix it in our hearts and in our minds. Because if you're not going to go the way of virtue, you're going to go the way of death. That's your choices. You know, cake or death. Faith or death. One or the other. The Jews often opposed this because it was like a system of bondage that was in Egypt. Um... But God told the people never to return to that bondage, and the fact is, is everybody has. Some of the citizens of Judea had appealed to the Roman commander-in-chief, uh, Pompey, for protection way back then when they were having a civil war. And, of course, he came, and they uh, ended up with the Romans for some time, but the Romans didn't conquer them. They were invited in to provide certain services of protection, and like I said at the beginning, protection draws subjection, and uh, and it got worse. And we can't get into all that, or we won't ever get to the end of this article. But it's covered in the article. We talk about a pure republic. Rome used to be a fairly pure republic. By the time Christ, it was no longer a republic, but it was an empire. They talked about a return to the republic, but they, they never go back. 
one, you know, it's old wineskins and it's all rotten and corrupted. And it was going to collapse. So Christ was appointing a new kingdom. Somebody told me today that, you know, that um, the apostles failed. And so Christ pulled out Paul out of the hat. And then Paul goes and preaches a new gospel. I don't know where they get this stuff. Apostles didn't fail. They were all over the place. <laughs> Paul was a brother to them, but he wasn't. They didn't fail. Thousands were becoming Christians all over, including Gentiles. The Jews didn't reject him. Some did, but it's not a democracy. It doesn't care if ninety percent of the Jews uh, rejected Christ. We know that in in Jerusalem, thousands in one day, thousands in the next day accepted Christ and were going His way. I'm just waiting for the modern Christians to finally really accept Christ and do what he says. But they're not. They're doing the exact opposite of what he says. All governments expand their power or influence over the people in schemes with uh, which offer gifts, gratuities, and benefits. That's the way they work. The greatest destroyers of freedom have always been the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And when... Uh, what they will contribute to, whom and for what purposes becomes the province of government and the will of the people who are the rulers in that government, your Congress, you're in bondage. They are your benefactors who exercise authority. And you've gone that way. It's not a new thing. It, it You know, at the turn of the century, back the last century, not this century, most schools were private schools. The minority was educated in public schools. Public schools were not the majority around. Most people were educated outside of public schools in a variety of sources of education. And they had high degree of literacy. And that's just the way it was. But in the early 1900s, they started having more and more public schools. But then they also started having Social Security. And they also started having these Federal Reserve notes, you know, and and creating the largest trust in the history of the world, according to Charles A. Lindbergh, with their Federal Reserve system. You didn't have to go that way. You could have created your own society that did not enter into the ways of Cain. And diverse weights and unjust weights and measures and public education, coveting your neighbor's goods. And you could have stayed on the true, but you became so high and mighty and so vain that you thought you knew. And you had these churches saying, you're saved, you're saved, and you're wonderful, and you're, you're a Baptist, and you're a Methodist, and you're Episcopalian. But you weren't doing what Christ said. It, this has been a long time coming. You're not going to change this overnight. But you got to turn around. If you go read our article on Corbin. Corbin was the welfare system of Israel. Always was. Corbin means sacrifice. And it also has to do with drawing near God. Because you come to sacrifice yourself. No greater love has a man than he lays down his life. For his fellow man. And that Corbin was a daily laying down of your life. A little bit of your life here. A little bit of your life there. To take care of the widows and orphans. And the truly needy of your society. That was Corbin. And you gave it to the ministers of your choice. And they provided the welfare of society. Through free will offerings. 
That changes the nature of society. But the Corbin and the Pharisees, which you got baptized and you had to pay in, and scribes kept track of how much you paid in. If you didn't pay in your fair share, according to the Sanhedrin, the Congress of its day, you could be fined. You could be punished. Because you had a contractual relationship with your government. You have made a covenant with them to get these benefits. But that makes the word of God the non-effect. Back then, Herod was baptizing people in water by his ministers. And it was the baptism to enter the kingdom of God. But John the Baptist wasn't at the laver of the temple anymore. He was out there in the desert baptizing people in the Jordan River. And they said, well, John, how's this work? He says, if you got two coats and your neighbor doesn't have one, you share. You share. You do charity. That's why Christ talks charity. That's why he talks love. The word he uses for love is translated charity when Paul uses it. Because Paul's preaching Christ's gospel, but the translators like to put the word charity in Paul's mouth and the word love in Jesus' mouth. The same Greek word in both cases. It's not love to ask a man to go to your neighbor's house and force him to contribute so you can have free education. That's not love. That doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. That you threaten to take your neighbor's home away from him if he will not buy a new swimming pool down at the school for your kid. That's not love. That's covetousness. That's a violation of the law of God that he wants to write in your hearts. But you won't let him write that in your heart. You'd rather covet to get the benefit. And you think you're saved? You're not saved. You don't even know Jesus. You're a worker of iniquity. And we're going to have to spend another hour on this. Because there's so much you don't know. Let's talk about the riots in Judea. Because they pilfered the Social Security Fund. When we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Till then, may peace be upon your house. Sorry I'm so hard on you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church.
Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking also about the kingdom that is not of God, that is actually allowed by God to punish the wicked. And we're also talking about not so secure social security. How do you think Nimrod got to be king? How do you think Cain operated his city-state in Lamech? They offered security. They offered benefits. They offered welfare. They offered to take care of you. Of course, they weren't going to do this with their own money. They were going to do that with yours. They were going to make sure that everybody paid their fair share. That that mere idea is coveting your neighbor's goods. Like I said the other day on a, on a show, it is this coveting your neighbor's goods. It doesn't say, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods unless he's really rich. It just says, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. Or anything that is thy neighbor's. Whether he's rich or not. And the fact is, the system you have actually even taxes widows and orphans. You know, you got inheritance tax and property tax. I know, I know a widow who pays as much tax as is paid on this house. And she lives in a shack. I mean, it is a shack. Single pane windows. Um, we put a roof on it uh, for her, but they still tax her that amount. We pointed out, you know, they actually have her in a higher tax bracket because they say she lives in a recreational area. There's nobody recreating there. She just happened to be surrounded by BLM property. Nobody recreates there. She's an old, old widow, and they tax her heavily on this shack. And we point out that it's wrong, and they say, well, well, you know, uh, they don't care. There's a cognitive dissonance, disconnect, where they don't care. And you don't care. And most of the people in the community don't care enough to make a difference. I went right to the, the tax assessor, stood to him face to face and said, this isn't right. But I'm one guy. What happened to the other thousands of people who go to church in this community? They don't care. Well, she should pay the tax, just because she's a widow. You know, it's terrible. It's terrible. We've gone so far away from humanity, from righteousness of Christ, that it's unbelievable. And we were talking previously about the fact that there was a social security system set up by Herod and the Pharisees called Corbin that made the word of God to none effect, even though that Corbin was the social security system of ancient Israel. But the difference between the two systems is that Herod compelled the offerings of the people and put them into a central treasury. And that's why he had the money to even build this golden temple, which Christ was not impressed with. Christ wasn't coming to build a temple out of dead stone, but out of living stones. And what happened is that Social Security money, probably under the same deal that you have, I mean, people think that, oh, Social Security, you know, that's in my trust fund somewhere. And from the beginning, from the very beginning, right in the text itself, the Supreme Court has ruled that there is no distinction between the general fund and Social Security. There is no earmarked funds. They can keep charging you Social Security and give you absolutely no benefits whatsoever. That's absolutely legal. They can do that. You know, or they can turn the benefit into, you know, Hotel FEMA. And you can live behind barbed wire. 
And, well, you know, they're providing. You know, so they can do that. And that's legal. Been legal from the beginning. Anybody who wants to think otherwise is cognitively disconnected from reality. But anyway, back at the time of Jesus Christ, they had the same system you guys all are going to now. And Jesus said it made the word of God to none effect. But before that, how they got to that place was they said, okay, you get baptized and you go down to the laver. They actually were going all over the Roman Empire baptizing people in these systems. They had treasuries all over. There were probably some of the money was even in the temple at Ephesus because they were the underwriter for most of these nations. I know that 127 different countries built the temple at Ephesus, which was their world bank of the day. I don't know if one of those countries was Judea, but I have every reason to believe that Judea was a part of that, just based on the fact that it was so many countries, 127, and that Judea and Rome were heavily locked since the Hasmoneans had invited in to Aristobulus the Romans. And then after Hercules became king, the Romans went to him, and he would not invite them in, but the Pharisees did. And so, chances are they were. But anyway, that's what Pilate was. He was one of the chief financial officers. And what he did is this huge fund that was accumulating. They were able to build this golden and stone temple with all this money. And you thought you were socially secure with their system of Corbin. Even this darn Christ comes along and says that system makes the word of God to none effect. Pilate comes along and he used the sacred treasury of the temple called Corbin to pay for, and I'm quoting here, bringing water into Jerusalem by an aqueduct. A crowd came together and clamored against him for doing that because they thought those funds were earmarked for them. No, there wasn't. Uh, If you understand how the system works, they don't even understand the sacred text. And we cover a lot of this in the article. They don't understand what pure religion is. They don't understand what the first century church was doing. They didn't have a common treasury where thieves and robbers could break in were corrupt governments. They were actually, the ministers of the church were actually public servants. Jesus Christ was king. These are the ones who say there is another king. They were Jews, some of them, and then there was Gentiles, some of them. Like Paul's half-brother, Putin, and his wife, Claudia, who was actually from Britain, named Gladys. And her brother, Linus, who was one of the early bishops in Rome. And their two daughters, Priscilla. And I won't get the last name, Putinciana, (laughs) of the other daughter, um, who built the first churches, which were actually not places where thousands of people meet. They were small, little, tiny churches, but actually they marked cemeteries. Just like the catacombs. Just like Abraham, we have our cemeteries because we bury our own dead. We have somebody buried on the church property. And that's the way it works. But we don't build big temples. You're the stones, the living stones of the temple. 
And when you gather together in congregations to be the social welfare of each other, then I know you're headed back. And I can tell you this, when there are coyotes in the field, real sheep, they run. Those fat old sheep, they make tracks. Where do they run? They run towards each other. Blackface don't always do it. I've seen blackface out there. Those old farm flocks, so used to living in the farm flock and getting fed by the massa. They run big wide arcs. They don't go beelining back to each other. The coyote loves to turn them out, separate them from the herd, and take them down at the throat. I've seen it. Of course, that coyote's dead now. (laughs) But that's the way coyotes work. That's the way the beast works. He separates. He divides and conquers. You guys are a scattered flock. You don't even know how to live free on the range. You don't know how to come together. You should be making a beeline to gather together wherever you can. And you should be doing everything you can to get others to gather together with you because the treasure of the kingdom is people, not stuff. They can take your stuff. The people save people, not stuff. I don't mind you getting some stuff. I'm not against you getting some stuff. But if you don't come together with others with the intention to serve one another, to care for one another, to tend to the afflicted amongst you when they really need help in a way that strengthens the poor, then you're just the wrong kind of progressive. You're progressing towards the fiscal cliff. And you just get in our way. But if you really love one another, if you want to love one another, you want to care about one another, you want to be there for one another, join the network, the Living Network at HisHolyChurch.org. Join the others. Get to know them. You're not going to get to know them on email, but we can make you contact. But, you know, we got meetings going on in New York and Missouri, and there's been some in Colorado. But you got to work at it. you got to work at really what is real. This is why I'm putting together this coverage of every verse in the Bible eventually, if I live long enough, and show you that they're all connected. You can't take them out of context. There's a context in which God has been the same yesterday as he is today. Jesus preached a system of social welfare that operated under the perfect law of liberty by faith, hope, and charity. That's what church is. Christians stood fast in the liberty of Christ and cared for each other through their own system of social welfare managed by ministers of the church who were truly servants of servants of service. They didn't come and tell you what to believe. Christ already told you what to believe. They didn't make up new doctrines. Christ's doctrines are enough. That's his doctrine. The church is established by Jesus Christ for his purposes, not for dollars' purposes. I don't want to pick on poor Dollar, but he's as good an example as all the others out there you've been listening to. They don't know Christ. They're not preaching his gospel. They're delivering you into the bondage. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, that's what the Fabian Society has as their symbol, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I mean, how bold is that? The church in those days actually understood the gospel of the kingdom and appointed by Christ and would never send their people to the men of the government that called themselves benefactors but exercised authority one over the other in opposition to his Christ's specific 
instructions, which you should all know in Luke 22:25, in Matthew 20:25, in Mark 10:42. I'm just quoting Christ here. Don't take Paul out of the context of Christ. Paul isn't saying, oh, it's okay to apply to men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority. It's okay to make the state your sugar daddy as long as they give really good benefits. It's not okay. That that is a reprobate mind if you think that's okay. And I understand that you find yourself in that dire position. But you also know it's going to fail. They tell you it's going to fail. They tell you it's going to fail. They give you a date. Maybe sooner than they say. It's kind of like the weather. Do you really believe the weather forecasts? Are they accurate all the time? How about government projections? Have they? How's that working out for you? It may go broke a lot sooner than you think. They're just keeping you lulled into a sense of security that isn't there. The early church called the people to repentance of the system, of that system. And a new baptism of John was expected of you. The baptism of the apostles. And then when you did that, you were opting out of one system into the other. You're not ready for that. But you're ready to start working in that direction. First, you've got to come together. You're a scattered flock. You're dry bones on the desert. We've got to put those bones together according to the structure and design of God. But then, you flesh, you people, have to repent and start gathering together on these dry bones according to the structure that Christ has always followed, that Moses followed, that Abraham followed. Gather together in your congregations of ten families. And pick a minister you choose. And if he does a good job of serving you, keep him. If he doesn't, stop. It's the only government where you don't have to pay the taxes to that guy if he's not doing the job. All the other governments require that you do. Now, right now, you owe a tally of bricks and you're in the system. And I'm not telling you to be unfriendly with the unrighteous mammon. I'm saying that if you can be free, choose it rather. But even if you cannot be free, be good servants in Christ and start coming together. Start finding those people that are trusting in the ways of Christ and want to go that way, that progressive way towards the kingdom instead of the progressive way towards hell. And on our website, you can go to the place where the guy's throwing out the net and join the network and find people in your area. You need to start working with people on, your, on the ground. It's, the time is running out. Rome and Jerusalem would soon falter and fail under the weight of their own corruption. Christians hearing the fullness of the gospel of the kingdom preached by John and by Christ formed a new society that would survive and prosper in true faith during the decline and fall of the Roman Empire. And that's what you need to do. Because Rome is the image of the beast. What is the difference between the beast and the image of the beast? The beast was Rome. What's the image of the beast? The difference between the image of the beast, and they tell you right in the Bible, the image of the beast is is that he is able to make fire come down from heaven in the sight of man. Now, the beast was Rome, and the emperor of Rome 
imperator meaning, this is a definition right out of the Latin dictionary, meaning commander-in-chief. That's the definition in Collins' Latin dictionary of the word imperator. He was elected to a 10-year term of office, and he had to take an oath of office, and he was the commander-in-chief of the army and the navy. That was the emperor. Now, the image of the beast is something else. He can make fire come down from heaven in the sight of man. Why is that? Because he's the commander-in-chief of the army and the navy and the air force. There you go. Now, that's as good an explanation as you're going to get from anybody else. The beast and the image of the beast. But the image of the beast is going to decline and fall too. So what do you need to do? You need to repent. You need to seek the kingdom of God, which is people who are caring for one another in faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty by personal sacrifice one to another, choosing men they trust, looking out amongst themselves and choosing men they trust. And there's a lot more to it, but these are the basics. And caring for one another in a system of social welfare that strengthens the poor. Doesn't weaken the poor. Provides for the needy, but in a way that strengthens them. How's that working out the way you've been doing it? How's your social welfare? That's the that's breeding ground for crime. And more voters that vote for more socialism. They vote away the purse. And they, they total disconnect. And, and we have a bunch of other articles. Like I said, the Corbin of the Pharisees. You can, you can find that in our sermon section. And it tells you the Nicolaitans, who God hates. What are the Nicolaitans? Nicolaity. That's the conquered people. What conquers you? The greatest destroyers of freedom is the givers of gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And how do they give, get you to get those? Is that you have to get you cognitively disconnected from the idea that it's wrong to covet your neighbor's goods. Once they've made that disconnect, then you too can be a Nicolaitan and God will hate you too. You can start coveting your neighbor's goods and think that it is good. But it is not. It destroys your society. What happens? You lose the hue and cry of your society. People will be raped in your streets and nobody will come to their aid. That's what's going to happen. Wait a minute. Oh, that's already happening. (laughs) People will be robbed in your courts and the churches will just sing louder in their churches. They won't come to their aid because they won't be tending to what Christ calls the weightier matters of law, judgment, mercy, and faith. That's already happening. There will be a total breakdown of the family, God's first institution. Divorce, 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 until they don't even bother getting married anymore. Women will have children by multiple men and they will be living in the public welfare. Horrors for hire. Paid for by your tax dollars. In impure religion. That's what's going to happen. Oh, wait. That's already happening. That's right. You've already been given over to a reprobate mind. You're already under a strong delusion. You're already betraying Christ, spitting in his face, and taking his name in vain, calling yourself a Christian. had a guy on one of our study groups the other day. And I came on, and we actually had recorded it into a program, uh, quite a Q&A program, and the good ministers of our network can tell you where that is. But he didn't like the word Christian. And I understand 
it's embarrassing. So many people are using it today that don't know anything about Christ, that are actually anti-Christ, but they're calling themselves Christian. Those are just the wolves in sheep's clothing. Those are the vampires and werewolves in, in sheep's clothing. Pretending to be, it's like the days of the Pharisees. They claiming Moses, they don't even know Moses. They would have known Christ. Most Christians don't know Christ. They don't even know Moses. So that's the where that's where you're at. So find out if you're a Nicolaitan, as most of you are. And but that's okay. You can repent. You can turn around. You can stop being a Nicolaitan. You can be something better. Okay, employee versus enslave is another one, and these are all linked at where you find uh, not so secure Social Security. You know, I actually even have a picture there of one of the stones that. Uh, Herod had carved with the Social Security funds that made the aqueduct. You know that the some of those stones still exist, and it's kind of interesting because they take these stones and they they carve a round pipe, and uh, and then fit them together, and they were able to bring water all the way down into Jerusalem. Great thing, but they took it out of the Social Security funds. So there was actual riot, and they give you a picture of the riot. People were all causing this disturbance, and and Pilate sent men down soldiers down amongst them dressed as civilians and then at a single signal they uh, suddenly threw off the robes and uh, they had clubs and started beating the people very organized way of doing it I'm sure too and uh, drove the crowds away and um, you can kind of figure on the same treatment for you when you finally find out that there is absolutely not one dime left in your social security fund because of that rule that they stated way back from the Supreme Court in 1937. And it's actually, I even quoted to you already in the earlier show. Um, Congress could, in its future discretion, spend the money for whatever Congress then judged to be the general welfare of the country, which would be paying the debt. No constitutional power to earmark or segregate certain kinds of tax proceeds for certain purposes, whether the purpose be farm prices, supports, foreign aid, or Social Security payments, or payment of interest. So, therefore, there is no money in the Social Security fund whatsoever. It is not sacredly separate. Sacred means separate. It has never been sacred. They are lying to you. They are deceiving you. They are talking gibberish and you're listening to them because you owe way more, way more than any fund that's in there. It is not solvent. It is not operating in the black. You are a human resource. You can go up to the 1960 Fleming versus uh, Nestor case and see that there is no obligation of payment concerning your Social Security. Nestor, uh, it was Ephraim Nestor. Uh, Nestor. He, he was a member of the Communist Party back in 1930 sometime. But uh, when Social Security came along, he joined Social Security, which would be typical of a communist. Uh, someone who's a socialist would think Social Security is great. And he joined, and he worked in the workforce between 1936 and 1955. And... Uh, in 1954, Congress uh, passed a law that if you were deported, you would lose your right to any Social Security payments. Well, Nestor, after he 
finished working, he was deported in 1956, I think it was, and uh, he they stopped paying. They stopped paying. His payments then were $56. We'll talk about why they were so low when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. But anyway, it says to engraft upon Social Security, this is the Supreme Court uh, system, a concept of accrued property rights would deprive it of the flexibility and boldness in adjustment to ever-changing conditions which it demands. Those are ever-changing conditions as they can take every last dime that's in Social Security and use it to build FEMA camps for all you you can say about it. They can use it to pay the interest. They can build FEMA camps. They can buy bullets for Homeland Security, uh, enough to shoot every man, woman, and child in America. They can do anything they want. And it's no different if we were in Australia. I'm not ta- I don't want to pick on poor United States. I just happen to be uh, in this world. Uh, I don't live of it, but I'm in this world. And the fact is, is you, it's the same in every socialist country, New Zealand. Uh, they're more in debt per person in New Zealand than you are in the United States. If anyone sign up for Social Security in there for their children, they just sold their children into bondage forever and ever until New Zealand is absolutely destroyed and half submerged underwater someday. Some of the higher mountains may avoid the floods, but uh, most of it will be unbelievably devastated. But it's very, uh, you can have it go there as a visitor and have your teeth fixed <laughs> at the expense of their grandchildren. <laughs> but uh, that's what so, somebody says. Oh, I think it's a great country. When I was visiting there, they would even fix my teeth at whose price? Well, a government would pay for it. You mean the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other to the point where they have every man, woman, and child into debt, $55,000 at birth? And that's, those figures are a few years old. They're probably even more now. And uh, But anyway, they stopped uh, poor Ephraim uh, Nestor's payments, and he sued, and they said there is no property right. You have no right, accrued property rights, to any funds. They don't have to pay you a dime. And, of course, that's exact. That was in 1960, but by the time they made that ruling, but uh, that's been the way it was from the beginning. That was already ruled in 1937, and it's actually in the bill. It is apparent that the non-contractual interest of an employee covered by the Social Security Act cannot be soundly analogized to that of the holder of an annuity whose rights to benefits is bottom, uh, on, bottomed on his contractual premium payments. It's not insurance. Uh, there's no money there. It is totally broke. It's in the red. And you have to pay into it whether they give you one single benefit or not because you're in a system of Corby, a system of bondage, and they are not going to let my people go. At least not right now, but they will. But when the question is, who are God's people? Are you letting God write in your hearts and in your minds the ways of Christ? Is the character of Christ. Don't give me Yahshua, Yeshua, all this stuff. The character of Christ, his actual name, his actual personality. Is that written in your heart and in your mind? Because that's what we need to know. 
That's what you need to know. And I, I beat you up so that you will know you're off the trail. I beat you up so you know that you're off and going the wrong direction on the path, on the way. All roads lead to Rome. All roads lead to the kingdom of God. You've just been going the wrong way. And your churches have been getting you. Let's sing along as we go the wrong way down the path of the fiscal cliff. And so I'm saying, let's turn around. Let's go the other way. And let's talk about that in this last half, this last opportunity to look at the secure social security of Christ. Because that's where you need to be headed. And it's a step-by-step process. But very sure that you need to turn around now before you start that step because you're awful close to the fiscal cliff there. Can you see it? Anyway, we'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. God bless. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. We're still talking about the not-so-secure Social Security. But we're also going to talk a little bit about the secure Social Security, which is as secure as your faith in God. And it is... Not a guarantee like the other one uh, for several reasons. One is it's not a guarantee. Christ died that you might be saved. But uh, it's also not a lie, which is makes it very distinct from the other system <laughs> that is full of lies. It, they wrote down the truth. But then they can say anything they want because that's just casual conversation. Oh, uh, did I say that wrong? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I mislead you there? Oh, I'm sorry. It's written down if you want to look it up. You see? So they got you because they wrote it down. And as it is written, so shall it be done. (laughs) You are broke. Your Social Security fund has nothing in it. They don't have to pay you a dime. And you still have to pay them everything. You know, if you go take the oath for citizenship in the United States, and anyone who has a passport, it says this right in the codes, anybody who goes and gets a passport, it is considered that they have already taken this oath. And that it means that you will work at civilian work projects, doesn't say anything about pay, at the command of the government. In other words, you will be a federal employee at the command of the government. And, of course, you already are because you're already a member and you've already been assumed because you've signed up. And you say, oh, well, my dad signed up for me. Well, your dad sold you into bondage just like you would be sold into bondage back in the 1300s. You've been indentured. You've you've become an apprentice. That's how, you know, your dad said you got to obey your dad. And, you know, he went and watched TV, and he sold you. And it's just bad, I know. Too bad. Get used to disappointment. Now, what can we do about it? Well, I'm going to read you a few more things about, so that I get it really clear in your head, that there is a severe problem. And I wrote the book, The Covenants of the Gods, and you can read it for free online. I'm not just selling you books. I mean, you can buy the books, too, online, but you can actually read the whole thing in PDF and HTML. we got a PHP, 
see and read it. And we got sound files with every chapter, just about. And you can just download them. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to, you know, pledge your firstborn or any of those things. We give it away. But it's going to cost you your delusions if you're going to do you any good. But anyway, chapter four is employee versus enslave. And you find the links on the outline page. And in it, we quote, the catalog of means and actions which might be imposed upon an employer in any business tending to the satisfaction and comfort of his employees seems endless. Provisions for free medical attendance and nursing, for clothing, for food, for housing, for the education of children, and a hundred other matters might with equal propriety be proposed as tending to the to relieve the employee of mental strain and worry. Can it fairly be said that the power of Congress to regulate interstate commerce extends to the prescription of any or all of these things? Is it not apparent that they are really and essentially related solely to the social welfare of the worker, therefore remote from any regulation of commerce as such? We think the answer is plain. These matters obviously lie outside the orbit of congressional powers. That's what it said. Railroad Retirement Board, Supra 295 U.S. at 368. So whose powers does it lie in? If Congress did not have the power to establish an insurance system, who wanted it? President, as I said before, wanted everybody covered from cradle to grave under a social insurance system. That's page 936 through page 946 of the Ways and Means hearing uh, the original stated that uh, sold as if it was insurance back in the interview in 1953. And this was penned by its originator. Even it goes all the way back to 1936. So this is not, this is not new stuff. We're not dealing with stuff outside of the box. Uh, neither the President nor the Congress had the power to compel the free people, and, but they signed up. You signed up, and you became federal employees. And so now they want to give you health care, welfare, and all this stuff. The problem is they're broke. And in order to give you what they got, you've become a collateral. This is the one purse. You're in the purse. They can take from you and take from you and take from you. Take from your loins. They can take from your children, your grandchildren. They can run you into debt for generations and generations to come to put you in bondage forever. They can do that. And they're doing it. And it's the process. Until they own you, which is what they already do. You're a slave. Yeah, they pay you a little bit. I mean, slaves in the old plantation, they got paid too. Now, I'm not saying, oh, you know, rise up and throw off your oppressors. You're the oppressor. You wanted those benefits at the expense of your neighbor. You are snared in this system. You set the table of a king and you ate heartily at it. And now you're snared. And they want to force you to do the dishes because you don't got anything left to pay for your bill. And Christ doesn't want you in the kingdom if you're a truce breaker. Paul says that. 
Truce breakers have no place in the kingdom. So you got to pay your tally of bricks. The answer is to seek the kingdom. And in that, you know, there's more of that uh, in that article, Employee versus Enslaved, that shows you the bondage, but there's no solution in that. We have solutions in another place, okay? And Thy Kingdom Come, it tells you about some of those solutions and how they work. And it tells you how they worked in the past, in the days of Abraham, the days of Moses. It's setting up these altars of flesh, these altars of people. But not, not where you eat the flesh of the people. Actually, you do eat the flesh of the people, but only what they freely give. You don't eat them when they're alive, when there's blood in it. You know, that was one of the things. You were not to eat meat when there was blood in it. Blood is a right. And when you die, the right is gone. You don't have any more right to it. What they're talking about is what is freely given on this altar is cleansed because it's freely given. And it's given up entirely to the minister. Now he can distribute it in a system of social welfare that will help you out without eating meat with blood in it. Why did they say that the sacrifice on idols, the altars of the idols, had meat with blood in it? They they bled out the animal, too. They cut the throat and bled out the animal. It had blood in it because they were forced offerings. They were not freely given. Israel, for 400 years, took care of all the social welfare by free will offerings. They took care of support for the military by free will offerings. It wasn't until Saul who forced an offering that they were called foolish. You guys have all done that. I mean, every corner of the system of the world today is permeated throughout your churches and your chapels and your ways and your religion. It's all in opposition to Christ. We talk in, in HealthShare, which is at our Preparing You. We're actually going to have two sites that we have Preparing You, the letter U, dot com, which is like preparinguniversity.com. And we're also going to be developing preparingyou.com. But on Preparing You, and probably on the other one already, uh, we're doing this because we're upgrading the wiki site. You build the site. It's the people building the site. I'm not putting all these articles up. This one I, I did write. The conflict between Christians and the people who persecuted them in the early days of the church was mostly over their system of social welfare, which was managed through the temples like Ephesus, the Temple of Saturn, the, the Parthenon. These were government buildings at this time. Originally, they were like churches to some degree or like brokerage houses. But they were actually government building. Ephesus was built by 127 different governments. And the Temple of Saturn is where you would register your birth certificate. When your child was born, within 30 days you had to register his birth in Rome in 168 AD by the order of the commander-in-chief, Marcus Aurelius. And Christians wouldn't do that because the only reason you register your child with a register or the Temple of Saturn, which is where it eventually goes, was so that you could get benefits. And they wouldn't get those benefits because, and they write this in 150 AD to the other emperor before Marcus, who taught Marcus, which was Antonius Pius. This is all a matter of record. I'm not making this stuff up. He wrote, he says, this is how we do it. 
We gather it once a week, and those that have share with those that don't have. Faith, open charity. Is that what you're doing in your church? You go to church, you sing, you give a little bit of contributions to pay the debt of the, your pastor, and then what do you do? If you need, you go to the benefactors or exercise authority one over the other. You go to the Temple of Saturn to get your benefits. You just call it the Bureau of Vital Statistics. You don't have to go every week. You've got a card. And with a card, you can get the benefit. That's not what the Christians were doing. Christians depended upon the holy temple made of living stones, which was a network of people living by the perfect law of liberty, faith, hope, and charity. Those who had shared with those who had true needs. Our modern idea of religion differs from the meaning of the word in the days the Bible was written. Pure religion was a religion rooted in charity alone. Celsus, who was a, a follower of Plato, writing during the term of Marcus Aurelius, opposed, and I'm quoting here, opposed the sectarian tendencies at work in the Christian movement because he saw in Christianity a privatizing of religion and transferal of religious values from the public sphere to the private association. People say they want to privatize Social Security. Church did it 2,000 years ago. It's grandfathered in. You're just not going to the church established by Christ. You're going to the church established by progressive. You know, I was always amazed that Saul Alinsky, who dedicated his book to Satan, made his greatest inroads in progress and found his greatest support amongst ministers of churches who follow his ways of progressive socialism in churches. They're not the churches established by Christ. Oh, they say Jesus. They say Yeshua. But they don't have his name written on their hearts and their minds. They just got lip service. This was the conflict. They, in Africa, under the emperor, uh, service, returned victorious from having vanquished the kings who had taken part in the Niger against him. He published his cruel edict against the Christians in the year of 202 A.D., the tenth of his reign, the tenth year of his reign. But he, uh, but the general laws of the empire against foreign religion and the former edict of several emperors against Christians were sufficient to warrant too many governors to draw the sword against them before that time. So what what are they talking about? And we find that the persecution was very hot in Africa two years before under the proconsul of Saturninus. So why were they persecuting the Christians? Because they were a private religion. They were a private social welfare system to take care of the widows and orphans and needy of their society. According to faith, hope, and charity, standing fast in the liberty of Christ which made them free, sharing all things with each other through a network of ministers who came to serve, not to rule over you. 
the emperor maintained his loyalty in two ways. One was with the army and the other was with the temples. In other words, if you wanted the benefits, you had to register with that temple and you registered at birth. Your parents registered you. And when you started working, you had to pay into the temple by statutory requirements. It was called public religion. It is called social security today. It is the welfare state where the state is your daddy and it will take care of all of your needs. And Christians wouldn't have any part of that because they were taking care of one another. The concept of government in which the state plays a key role in the protection and the promotion of the economics and social well-being of the citizens. It is based on the principle of equality of opportunity, equality of distribution of wealth, and public responsibility for those unable to avail themselves of minimal provisions for the good for a good life the general term may cover a variety of forms of economic and social organization the church is the welfare state but it's the welfare state that does not exercise authority one over the other the world is the welfare state that does but your churches aren't t- do what is the church is defined as one form of government in Black's Law Dictionary, but it's just not the form that you have anything to do with. There was a number of people in North Africa, Speratus and, and Narzalas and these people, Vestina, uh, Donata, and they were all accused of belonging to this Christian private religion. And and what was the argument against them? How did they argue against these poor people? That they were going to burn. They burned evidently thousands by the time they were done, according to some reports. They had their own system of Corbin that operated by faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. But the, they were accused of a private foreign religion, not participating in the public social welfare. And they set upon them because they, they said that they were making a law against that. The emperors, the commanders-in-chief were making laws against that. It was illegal because Christ had already set them free. Christ was not a part of their government. They could make these rules for their people, but they couldn't make these rules for Christians because they had another king. Modern Christians, the emperor is their king. That is the creature they worship and serve. And they serve him to get their benefits. Vegelius Saturninus, who was a proconsul of Africa in about 180 CE, addressed the seeming antisocial behavior of these 12 Christians who were going to become martyrs with the statement, We too are religious, and our religion is simple. We swear by the genius, the genius of our Lord, the wisdom the brains, which is actually taken from the, this idea of family, the Lord Emperor. And we apply for His benefits, as you also ought to do. But Christians wouldn't do that. And this was the problem. But they wouldn't do it because He was one of those benefactors who exercised authority. The Emperor was also known as Patronus, our Father, who art in Rome. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come when thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as it, earth as it is in Rome. His kingdom comes with his grace. He giveth us our daily bread. 
as we kill those who oppose him. That's their prayer. That's why you invade other countries. That's your prayer. So that you be secure. The true Christians like Sparatus, not like the modern Christians today. He wouldn't do that. He says, I know not the genus of your emperor of this world, but I serve the God of heaven, whom no mortal man hath ever seen or can see. I never committed any crime punishable by the laws of the state. I pay the public duties for whatever I buy or use, acknowledging the emperor for my temporal Lord, but I adore none but my God, who is the King of kings, the sovereign Lord over all the nations of the world. I have been guilty of no crime and therefore cannot have incurred punishment. But they punished him anyway. Your courts do that all the time. And you sit there singing in your churches. We need to repent. We need to start coming together, and that's what we need to start thinking about. And so what we did is we started a network on at hisholychurch.org. And uh, we, we have lots more to the network, preparingyou.com and, and uh, thelivingnetwork.org, uh, I think it is. Someone else is setting these things up because we're working as a team. We've got, we got a lot of people working together at this. And, and you want a list of all their names? I'm not giving them to you. You want to know who we are? You're going to have to come and participate. You're going to have to get, right now, you pretty much have to get online. And you join one of our local networks. You can do it with any email you want. You get to know the local PCMs, personal contact ministers in those areas, or ministers of record if you're lucky to have one near you. And they will introduce you to others in your area. They know where people are individually in your area. They don't know where everybody is. They know where they... It's, again, ten people. Pick a minister. And you start with two, but you got to have at least two or more witnesses, two or three, two or more witnesses. And they pick a minister of their choice. And you can change any time you want. It's not like the world where you got to wait four years or whatever. Uh, you can change any time you want, but you pick one you want. And then... He becomes a PCM, a personal contact minister, and he gets to know who else is on that local group. He doesn't know everything about them, but he at least knows how to get hold of them through email or whatever. And then as they begin to trust him, they'll give him their phone number. And as they begin to trust him more, they will go out to eat the lunch with him sometimes. Some of them are already meeting in each other's houses. And we're building it. We're headed back, progressively heading back towards the kingdom. But you gotta come with virtue. You gotta come with charity. You gotta come with hope. You gotta come with faith. You don't come and try to impose your interpretation, your private interpretation of the Bible. It's pretty simple. You know, we can, we can get into the campfire talks and into the details and, and wonder about all those things that Christ didn't say much about. But the basics are simple. You gotta care about one another as much as you care about yourself. You gotta care about your neighbor's children as much as you care about your own children. You have to care about your neighbor's grandchildren. You have to stop coveting your neighbor's goods. You gotta start living by faith and hope and hope your neighbor will be there. But you gotta find out who's your neighbor in Christ. Who's trying to do the same thing. You gotta start coming together. That's gonna take some time and process. You don't have a lot of time. 
You just don't have a lot of time. You don't have any time to waste. You got to start coming together. So if you don't immediately go online and start finding those people, now you can get a hold of us and, and, and call us occasionally, but until we get more and more of these congregations on the ground, you're going to have to do it through the internet. Once you do that, and you can come to our festivals. We've got one coming up in Missouri here in the spring. And then we got another one in the fall coming up here. We call it the Burning Bush Festival. And it's, it's going to be on Labor Day. And that's so, you know, you can still have your big calendar people. You can still have your other Feast of Tabernacles. But this is to be our outreach to meet more people and they get to meet us. But then you have to keep following this up. Don't be the seeds that fall on the wayside and get eaten up. Don't be those seeds that fall on dry ground and are not nurtured and on stones and rocks. Start coming together in good places. Start reaching out. Start striving what Christ says. Start seeking that kingdom. Start seeking others that you can help. Don't come for what you can get. Come for what you can give. Because then you're coming in the character of Christ. Then you're coming in the name of Christ. That's what it means to be in the name of Christ. It's not a magic word. The name of Christ is the way he was, the character of who he was. It's like those old Indians who named themselves after these different uh, characteristics. Christ was came to sacrifice, to serve. You need to come for the same purpose if you're going to come in the name of Christ. You do that, and you will be suited for more righteous habitations. That's what you need to do. You have to become suitable for more righteous habitations by coming in the name of Christ and joining together in love for one another. And so that's what I leave you with. Peace upon your house and may God be with you. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www dot his holy church dot net